0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: This Friday, your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley! It's anger! Let me at him! Fear! Safety checklist is complete! Disgust! Ew! Ew! Sadness is in the house! Oh no! Hello! I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now.
0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Welcome to the podcast, Downers. My name is Matt, and we we're well this is the Break It Down Podcast. Uh, got my friend, Devin Shelton, on the show today. Devin is uh, I've been friends with him for hmm, a long time, thirty something years. I've known Devin. We grew up about a mile and a quarter from each other in rural South Carolina. Uh, first time I ever saw him or met him, we played on a baseball t-ball team together. And uh, when I was in first grade, Devin was a shortstop, and I was maybe had a spot in the outfield. And uh, so I've known Devin my whole life. We started our band Emory together. We moved to Seattle. We went to college together, and we're roommates. Then we started Emory uh, in 2000. And one and moved to Seattle together, and we still do a bunch of stuff together today. And we're gonna talk about a bunch of it, include his new album uh, that he just put out called Sensation. So the show today is brought to you by Luke Crate. Um, I have a page at Luke Crate, you can go to com slash down and enter the promo code down, and you'll get three dollars off any new subscription today. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. And uh, I'm announcing we got some Emory shows on sale now and Devin's going to be at all of those. We're playing in Florida uh, acoustic shows next week. That's the in Orlando and Tampa and Fort Lauderdale. We're doing South Carolina show and a Charlotte, North Carolina show next week. Acoustic. And then in February, we've just put these on sale. Uh, we're doing full band shows in Atlanta and Nashville. We'll talk a little bit more about that too. But you can go to emorymusic.com and find all those. Uh, side note, the Atlanta show is not on sale exactly today. It'll be tomorrow. But most people, when you hear this podcast, the Atlanta tickets will be on sale as well. Especially thing about those shows is they're seven dollars so we're just going to rent out the club and do that those tickets will be seven dollars and that's an appreciation thing to our fans and it's really exciting and we think we're going to get a big crowd and sell it out so get those tickets fast break it down oh break it down oh break it down break it down oh break it
1: down Break it down, oh break it down. Break it down, oh break it down. Like Matt Carter. Yeah.
2: Devin, thank you for joining me. Hey Matt, it's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I know we're on different time zones, so it's probably late for you.
2: Oh, yes, yeah, about 9:20. What's right your
0: now. what's your bedtime at home? what's your thing
2: oh man I i would say about 10 o'clock 10 30 but my wife's the late she's a late night owl so sometimes she keeps me up a little later you know watching a show or something
0: yeah i'm on a real bad kick with the new baby i mean you know i like i'm basically staying up to midnight every night and not being able to get up till like eight or nine o'clock a lot of times it's rough
2: oh yeah very That's very rough. rough
0: but the uh but yeah, I, the time zone thing's always weird here when when I'm doing because I like to do this right in the middle of the evening. But sometimes it's for the East Coast people; it gets a little bit late. But that's the way I like to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's funny because now that we've been you know working more together and stuff, you know my day is kind of wrapping up, and your and your guys' mm-hmm. days is kind of just starting. Yeah, you know what I mean. The afternoon, so I'm like picking up my kids, and you guys are just kind of getting to the office. Yeah, I'm like, all right, well, I'll talk to you guys later.
0: Yeah, I'm always disturbing East Coast people in their supper time kind of thing. But uh, speaking of that, oh, yeah. so you were, we're doing a whole bunch of business together and fun stuff, which we've had a drought of. We hadn't done and you know, for been a few years since you quit the band and started doing other stuff and live in Illinois now. I don't know if everybody knows where you live and everything about you, even though I think a lot of people do. Um, so you were working at a church and you quit and now you're rejoined Emory and doing some other stuff full time. So there's a whole career change.
2: Yeah, it was definitely a career change. Last year, I mean, I had been working at the church for about five years. Last year, I started, you know, we started doing some of these acoustic tours. So that was a pr- that was a pretty big change uh, from previous. And so, but towards the middle of the year, I just kind of, I just, I don't know, I started feeling a lot different about it and, and wanting to get back involved even more. So now you're right. I, I only work at the church like on the weekends sometimes sometimes. And help with music. And then, uh, yeah, now, you know, we're all doing business together again beyond Emory too.
0: So let's look at that a little bit about, you know, it's interesting because you quit the band and then you still did a job that was a real job that was music and paid and was regular and all that stuff. And then coming back to this is a little bit, weird or is it not weird I'm I'm curious what did it feel like what is the negative things I'm not talking bad about your church or church in general but what were the what are the things that you felt when you were doing music that was not Emory or you know what was that environment like because it ultimately seems like unsatisfying right. and that's the read I get <clears throat> from not you even but just I think there's some real friction for people that do music for a living at church they almost never never seem happy to me in the long run so you me any insight into that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think early on when I first started doing it, uh, it was exciting as far as with the church. It was more exciting because I was I was making something better. I was trying to help improve uh-huh. the quality of the music and and just improve the whole uh, creative side of things. And so for you know for a while, that's kind of fun and exciting because you're kind of building something and you're helping. With all that, I never loved, you know, necessarily all the music or anything like that. Um, But I knew there was a part of me that was okay with just kind of uh, compromising my personal taste for something I knew was okay for the church Mm -hmm. and for people in general in church. But yeah, just somewhere along the way, it just felt a whole lot more fake, I guess, inauthentic, Mm -hmm. uh, just because how much I didn't like the music I was playing. And not that I didn't even believe some of the words I was singing. Of course I, you know, believe most of that, but just the way it's presented and and the whole the whole genre, the whole everything just I don't know, just became a little bit too inauthentic for me and I just couldn't I just couldn't deal with well, it anymore.
0: Yeah, I don't think it. I mean, I'm not this isn't about church or even that kind of stuff, but there's something about I think I'm interested in the difference in doing your own creation professionally versus doing other art professionally in that way and you've done both and then come back to this so that's what I'm kind of interested in Um, it seems like it's ultimately very very frustrating for people when they get into jobs like that and I think it has to do something with like You're having there is still a creative vision and it's not yours entirely, but and you're you know, you're kinda forced to conform to it and that's a weird feeling. Like you'd almost rather be a a janitor or something is what is what I almost take away from that. Because there's something about your own creativity that is hard to keep a limit on. And yeah, you're right. It probably is fun at first, but then it must get weird. But anyway, that's just my observation. I hear from worship leaders and people in that, my observations and the, and from my experience doing a little bit, not professionally, um, it kind of get weird, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, it definitely, like you said, it kind of gets, you get, I feel like your creativity is kind of stifled somewhere along the way to where like I said, I kind of accept what I'm supposed to do and what people like or what they want to hear or be a part of. And so that kind of just kind of dumbs it down. You're like, well, I can't really push the bounds too much because mm-hmm. people get mad or they just don't, you know or what I mean? Not so it's not your
0: choice like, ultimately, which is the weird part. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's part of it too, for sure. Cause I would have, def- I mean, if it was just me making decisions like with Emery, uh, you know. You just do whatever you want, and you, you take into account what people like and what people want to some degree, but ultimately you decide what you decide, and you go with it. That's yeah.
0: That's Well, I'm interested in the whole thing because it's like the whole thing with millennials and everybody now. Everybody wants, and I'm, I'm just <laughs> struggling to get my mind around. Everybody wants creative freedom and to do something with meaning and purpose. That I'm sure of. That's all I ever hear from anybody my age or younger Younger, mostly, because right. I don't mostly deal with people younger than me. Um, and maybe that's because I do something that is creative, and I have a purpose, and I have autonomy in. But Or maybe that's why I attract it, because people ask me about it a lot. But for whatever reason, it's on my mind. And uh, it always seems crazy to me. I, thought, I used to think if I could just record those karaoke music for people where you re-record what the bands sound like and then people, you know, those yeah. sound choices. They, you know, I said, if I ever had a job playing guitar for somebody or creating karaoke tracks or whatever, that would be great. That would never be a bad thing kind of thing. And now I wonder if it, it really would be yeah. stifling, but you're spoiled because you've been on both sides. You've toured the world and been in front of big crowds and then to have to go do music professionally, Man, coming back though—is it—is it just inevitable? Is it like when the guy quits when he gets married, and then he wants to get start a band, or you know, the people quit <laughs> bands all the time when they have new stations in life, and then ultimately they hit the road again. So, is it. it more about the other thing—is bad, or is it more about there's something just too much about having the notoriety and power? and freedom and to be on the road or perform i'm trying to get a grip on what is that thing yeah. that that once you have some success there you can't let it go it's kind of freaky if you think about it
2: yeah I, I definitely agree but i i would say it's probably uh i would say it's maybe more the fact that we've experienced the freedom of it right
0: that's what, that's what i mean you then you go back yeah, home so work a regular job more, and you just gotta, well, that, <laughs> gotta yeah. get back
2: well i say i I mean it's even probably more the experience of it more than the other thing is not necessarily good. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Like it I, I, I do think it has plenty of faults about the way it's done, but what I'm saying is there are plenty of people who will never almost never find any problems with the way it the way it's done or the way it is, mm-hmm. right?
0: Yeah, my, but that's are, so, yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people are very content to, to do nothing. They want their work to be meaningless and just get, get it over with, right? right? Which is, right. Oh, is that most people? I, I don't know. I'm t- I'm turned around about all that stuff I, the more I think about it.
2: I would say, definitely our our generation and beyond, I would say for sure, that's most people.
0: Are beyond, you mean older? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then younger older. people. Not younger. Younger people than us, I mean, but how's that going to work? Everybody can't do a creative job for a living. Everybody can't be a photographer in the future, right? Or can they?
2: I don't know. I, I mean, I don't think so. But I mean, I, it's so weird to think about because I I used to get really frustrated with people say, you know, follow your dreams and, you know, I mean, like, you know, follow your right. passion, all right. that stuff. Like you could be great at whatever you want to be great at because I'm just like, well, that's not true.
0: Yeah,
2: it, That's like right. kind of fruity and it's not accurate but at the same respect i'm like well that's kind of what i'm doing mm-hmm. right you know i mean i just said i just decided to i mean luckily we've we've had something built along the way but you know it's most i would say 90 of people that i know and that you know and that all of us know would never do that they wouldn't do it ever that's an important distinction
0: no. yeah so people would say oh i'd like <laughs> to be not. in a band or like do this they would not actually they would hate it they would quit they never would have done it they would never like no part about it would they ever have done but they thought maybe they want to yeah. be on stage or something or like to sing
2: right yeah yeah the inconsistencies of this lifestyle that's not it's not routine it's not solid mm-hmm. it's not a paycheck every week you know it's like that most people can't live with that they'd rather think. just
0: work for a, a, a alarm installation company for you know adt security and answer phones or whatever and come home yeah right yeah. Exactly, yeah. Well, you know, maybe we're one of the, I mean, maybe I, this might be not true, but from the rural South where we're from, I don't remember people or know of people older than us that left and did other things. Like we might've been on the first generation of where we people would be doing stuff like this. Like even 10 years before us, before any internet or anything, you know, I what a lot of people from our region or high school that, Move out of state and do creative things. That's not even a thing. No. I, I don't. I mean, we may be the oldest, I mean, oldest, oldest version of that from at least where we're from to some degree. And now I would, I would think say tons definitely. of kids there now get out of get out and go and start bands and stuff like yeah. that. But um, I, and I think this is true, and I say this is true unless I've missed something. But I believe we we when we started singing Weezer covers and Silverchair, Nirvana stuff in high school and had a band. I think we're the first band and only band that had ever been at our school. In <laughs> all of hu- in all of history there were no rock bands, you know. Like I think somebody played at right. a talent show in middle school or something like that, but there weren't any any there weren't even bands when we were 16 years no. old and started playing covers at Halloween parties singing Green Day songs. I don't think anybody had even ever been a band where we were from. Right? Yeah, I think
2: I think you're right. Like I mean, there was the a band, band down that, the,
0: down at the next high school over had one. That's all I know.
2: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I remember. You know, just the only bands I knew of, aside from radio bands, were maybe if somebody played at a, you know, a, a bar down in downtown Greenville, you know, mm-hmm. something like that, to where it's just like, oh, they play for four hours, you know, with yeah. three intermissions. Those kind of bands. But they're like 35 years old guy, 35 yeah. year old guys that are just doing it for fun. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was no, no. I don't know. There's no bands our age.
0: No, ever. That wasn't a thing that kids did in in high school. And then you know, I I guess I feel guilty about it in the long run that uh, also that we have in common that we just picked up and did something goofy when we were relatively young. And then you know, you and I never went home, and our parents are angry that we (laughs) got stuck out. Yeah, they're
2: they're probably still pretty angry about that. I think. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And then I mean, really, yeah. And then you all the way to Illinois. I feel bad for you on that one, to tell you the truth. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah i'm sure you do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't love it i mean i don't you know i don't love parts of it for sure but i'm okay i'm good i love it i like i like things about it but i mean you know the midwest is what it is it's not glamorous it's just a good place to live that's all
0: maybe so might be all right um so you're doing the band again we're gonna be touring i talked about those shows a little bit i think those are gonna be awesome i hope uh i think they're Yeah, gonna do really well um so we'll work on the set list for that and and do a bunch of rehearsal here coming up soon uh how else let's let's talk about all the things that you have to do to try to make a living this way quit your job and so you're playing in emory what
2: else well i just had my album come out Mm -hmm. so that's that's a big part of it yeah yeah so that's part of that um i am am associated with BC supply, which many people have heard about so mm-hmm. far that listen, probably listen to this, <clears throat> um, which is, is really cool. Cause we're, you know, you know, kind of building a brand and, and a business. So that's kind of fun to, to work on. And then I'm also beginning to help out with, um, the bad Christian online commerce and store and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a big, you know, I mean, it's, it's all related, but it's, a uh, you know, there's some learning Well, to be it's done fun. So like you're that.
0: doing a bunch of web stuff and e-commerce for us. And so you're really just on staff even in a way. And you're partnered in, in some other ways. Because it's really hard to tell yeah. the difference in all the different things that we do, of course. But um, so you're, you're kind of diving in and learning e-commerce and mar- digital marketing and SEO and doing your yeah. album. And it's really, I don't know, it's kind of fun doing new things. Like learning new stuff at this age, yeah. in that bizarre? Like you're 38? You're 38? I'm 38 and yeah. learning new digital technologies for a living. Working for yourself and that, it's crazy, huh?
2: Yeah, it, it's pretty wild. I mean, I'm I'm glad it's something. It's it's like, oh, this is really cool. I get to learn something new. But yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, honestly, there's there are there are a lot of people. I've probably heard it, even heard people say this. I mean, I'll be I'll be 40 in two years. Um, they say, well, it's too late in life to. To yeah. do anything else, to learn anything new. Right.
0: What age I mean, would that you just be? Keep going. What age would that be that is too 40s old?
2: 40s probably. 40s probably. <laughs> 40s pushing it. I'm serious. I mean, I think people probably think if you're in your 40s and you've had a solid job for 20 some odd years, what are you going to do? Stop doing that?
0: Yeah. Or
2: are you going to finish it out to retirement? <laughs> That's
0: a good point. If I was going to, let's say I was going to hire somebody to work on our podcasts and they came in to interview and they were, there was a twenty-five-year-old and a thirty-year-old and a forty-six-year-old. I'm not really gonna want to hire the forty-six-year-old. That's probably that's <laughs> no. probably wrong. I'm sure that's ageist, or you probably get sued for that. But I probably wouldn't want to hire the fifty-year-old <laughs> that had some <laughs> would, broadcast experience in the '80s or whatever. You
2: know, <laughs> I, I would I would doubt it. <laughs> that would be funny though.
0: All right, well, let's, uh, let's get into talking about your album a little bit. I know people want to hear that, and we'll premiere a song even and stuff like that. But uh, and Do you have your guitar, too? You want to talk about some music? Yeah, yeah I can do that. Grab it just to have it on hand. Okay. I won't make you play a song if you don't want to, but have that close by if we want to talk about one. Um, sure. Okay, so the album is out. It's out, and you can get it everywhere at devonsheltonmusic.com. And I'll go ahead and tell you a tip. We're going to, from this podcast only, we'll give anybody that had not got it yet a $5 digital copy if you use the promo code DOWN. So just go to devonsheltonmusic.com, and I think you click through on the link where you buy it from Bad Christian, and then you can get the album for $5 there if you enter the promo code DOWN. Reva, is that active? We're all good for that? Excellent. Okay. So um, I... I would like to play what song? Is there a song we want to do? I'm going to, oh, I'm going to do that whole song uh, in a little bit. But let's talk about... What What was it? Let's do it In Your Pocket here. Okay. This is an interesting tune. And we can talk over it if you like.
2: Yeah. This is one that I wrote... Um, <laughs> This time you're Probably eight years ago
0: go I'm going to just give people some peeks of a bunch of these songs Is what I'm going to do Just so you can get the feel okay. for it So we'll preview Here. a little bit But this one's very cool But I'll follow you no matter where you want to lead Cause I'm so lovesick
2: and you are the remedy I, something about the guitar part and the feel of this one reminds me of like a like an 80s cop show or something
0: <laughs> i would think it's that long reverb on that <laughs> clappy triggery snare sound is what makes it sound like an 80s yeah, cop show that's part of, that's part of it <laughs> well there's a lot of stuff on here that is um you know it's very r&b like and i think uh i and I saw some people talking about and commenting on it online about how it's not really R&B, but kind of you want to call it R&B because it's so far off from loud Emory type music. And this right. to me really is kind of an R&B feel, wouldn't you
2: say? Oh yeah, definitely. This is one of the more R&B ones.
0: But is the genre R&B for real though on this album? M- maybe not, I, I guess.
2: Well, but I don't, I didn't really know what else to call it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like one of those in between things I. I was like, well, this is probably the most. I mean, I, I definitely think it, it has, you know,
0: R&B qualities. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't know. What do people think of when they hear the the term, the genre R&B? You hear, you think of know. R. Kelly. R. Kelly
0: is what I was going to say.
2: <laughs> so I'm not R. Kelly, but
0: <laughs> I don't know what else you would call it. Have you ever listened to The Trapped in the Closet, that whole album?
2: Yeah. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? I don't even know how it is real. It's unbelievable. (laughs) I mean, it's like a...
0: Do people think it's good, right? It's a masterpiece in a way, but it's also goofy like in a way. Like, how do you take it? Yeah, I mean, it's... (laughs) (laughs) So all this stuff is pretty R&B vibe to me. Yeah, that for sure. And this one's really cool. so how about yeah, these this recordings so um here's the other interesting thing about this record is we uh had a bunch of people work on it so it's, you wrote it and then toby right. did helps you do pre-production so tell me about that
2: yeah toby came uh to my house for a few days and uh he he actually had some really cool ideas uh beforehand so he sent me some of his ideas four because i had sent him all basically all the demos and there were three or four that didn't have like any lyrics and uh you know w- we're kind of out of place and stuff and so he already had like a lot of lyric ideas he helped me write three or four of the songs lyrically and he, you know we just kind of repositioned some of the parts things like that so it was really really uh good because obviously toby's a great songwriter mm-hmm. so hearing his perspective on these songs was really helpful for me to kind of finalize the forms and the way the songs kind of felt
0: okay and then so chad gardner worked on some of them too a couple of them at least right from king's kaleidoscope yeah Yeah. um so that's neat and then we got the thing recorded with chris keen who is from the band surrogate and he also was running around with number one gun back in the day from Chico, California so you know what I think is neat about this is uh, we kind of picked Chris to do this now Chris is a producer but kind of where I'm at with this whole thing is I'm not against producers or over producers or think they're not important but The more mature you get in your career, in some ways you need one less, and recordings are simpler than ever, but it's not a good idea, I don't think, for anybody to do a record totally by themselves just because you can. So I think records these days are really about finding the right collaborator. So I'm kind of operating on a premise now that the best persons you could hire to work on or record your album is somebody that is not as much of a technical engineer type person, but somebody who is a songwriter and arranger that knows how to record a little. That's kind of my current right. philosophy and that's what Chris is. Uh, well, and I'm sorry, yep. Chris is not the best example of that because he's a very good technical engineer and producer, but we selected Chris because he is a song arranger. So, you know, yeah. so did Chris, yep. I, this is what people I think want to know, who did what on the album? So where's the line between what Chris did and what you do and the, what Toby and Chad did and all that?
2: yeah um you know you you know toby chad and you you guys are you know kind of like co-producers of the album uh chad helped uh, come up with cool arrangements and sounds for a couple of songs but chris basically took everything that i had and everything that we had had compiled uh up till the actual starting of the record and he basically took it and replayed it and added like his own kind of flair and i i gave him freedom Uh, to, you know, come up with ideas and and take what I had done and and change it and things like that. And so it was, you know, I told somebody this uh, a couple months ago and they thought it was really strange, I guess, but I didn't play anything. I didn't even touch. (laughs) Apart apart from the demos and, you know, writing the songs, you know, and all that, I didn't touch an instrument.
0: You didn't play a single instrument on the recording, even though you play all these instruments, basically. Right, Yeah. right.
2: Chris is, you know, he's a great musician, and like I said, he came up with some cool parts that I didn't think of,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, just to add add some different uh, ideas to it. So he recorded everything except the drums, and the drums were Jordan Mallory mm-hmm. from Number One Gun yep. and Surrogate. And uh, so, I mean, the stuff they did was just awesome. I mean, I, I was blown away because it was literally the easiest recording process i've ever done. Well, you didn't have to do anything (laughs) i know you didn't even go to the
0: studio but so you did your vocals there and sent them to chris and you did did you do them sitting right there in that mic in your
2: basement yes this is spot so
0: so you did all the lead i stood up yeah (laughs) but you did all the lead track vocals through the sm7 Yes, dynamic mic, yep. which isn't quite normal a lot of people would think and say you would use a you know a condenser a large diaphragm condenser mic but right dynamic mics like this are pretty cool so that's neat that you did the yeah. whole whole record with that mic yeah. sitting right there in your basement um the yep. uh so you think people think that's weird that you didn't play anything or bad what's the expectation I, I on somebody they, like that
2: well i don't know if they think it's bad uh, they just probably think it's weird because most I think early on in our careers and musicians that are maybe younger than us, or you have a pride about, you know, you want to be the one to play your instrument or play all the stuff. And we kind of lost that a long time ago. Like, you know, you, you kind of, we kind of got into the Emory uh, mindset of, you know, you played most of the stuff and we, we helped write and we sang and did all that stuff. So I kind of lost, I lost that pride a long time ago. I have no... You know, though, no quant-
0: I've challenged the word pride there. I would call it insecurity, honestly.
2: Uh, that's that's probably more accurate. That's something yeah.
0: I've noticed from working with other bands is the the more insecure a person is, the more they insist that they do their part. You know what I mean? Somebody's <laughs> yeah, that's, really good that's true, and, yeah. not, and very secure in their abilities and maturity. They don't, they don't do that territorial thing like the bass player from some band that's not so great. I mean, you know, it's the kind of thing right. where they... They, get, they try to insert themselves as much as possible to overcompensate. So the more secure you are, I think the more yeah. flexible you wind up being with who does what and how stuff comes out and trust people. And I'm probably pretty guilty of that. I'm getting less and less like that. I don't know if it's really out of insecurity because I don't think that's me, but I, I sure do like getting in the details. So letting go of it has been been hard. So I, did, uh, I played drums on some of the tracks on the Matt and Toby record that we did. Which was funny because we did a uh-huh. video and I was playing drums in one of the videos and my dad saw it and he said, Matt can't play drums. They can't do that. <laughs> he was he didn't think I, he thought it was funny that I was playing drums. He didn't believe I could do it. And then he saw the video of it of me doing <laughs> That's it. <funny>. But um <laughs> but the uh but then there's some stuff that it's just no way. I mean, like I wanted to do it and say it was a Matt and Toby record, and I even did the drums, but I let that go pretty quick. Lunsford was uh, hanging out in the studio and he's like, I said, Could you punch me in a few times? I'm trying to get this part right, and he's like just let me play it it'll be way better i was like okay <laughs> so he, like Lunsford was just in the studio he came in and did that same thing
2: <laughs> yeah that's funny well i mean i think i think that's pretty typical at least you know early on i mean but like i said i kind of i don't know i kind of let go of that insecurity i know there are better musicians than me i know that people can play things better i could have played probably every single thing on this album but it would have taken me a lot longer mm-hmm. and it would have been a, it would have it wouldn't have been as good because it would have been I would have I would have had to really, I don't know, it would just been a, a longer process that wouldn't have probably turned out as well as it did. And so I'm ex- I'm I'm super glad that it that happened the way it did.
0: Yeah, it, w- it went fast too. I mean, it was done really efficiently, yeah. which is good. And you didn't even have to yep. fly even to do vocals, which is pretty pretty insane, <laughs> really.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's pretty pretty nice for me.
0: Okay, so let me uh, take a second and talk about Luke Rate real quick here, Devin. Um yep. If you, and I see you got your house decorated there, and let me give you a suggestion. You might want to look into Loot Crate because they got some very, very cool stuff. Uh, Gear, housewares, collectibles. Uh, Loot Crate brings you between four and six of the coolest curated mystery items every month straight to your doorstep. It's the best surprise that, you know is coming. So um, what they're doing, Devin, next month or this month in January is the theme is origins and they've got some really cool exclusive items and old school favorites. So uh, you can see where it all started and explore the iconic origins with historic items from. They've got Superman, Captain America, Mario, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and... As always, a monthly t-shirt and a pin. The pin we got last month was from Firefly, which is a show that Bridget likes. And we got something from Assassin's Creed. And I got a Mr. Robot t-shirt that I like. So out of those, Devin, I'll give you a choice. Superman, Captain America, Mario, or Ninja Turtles. What's the most up your alley there?
2: Uh, Probably Superman, I guess. Maybe. That makes sense. I don't well.
0: All-American Superman Red, white, and blue Devin Got it (laughs)
2: Well, I think I'm over the turtles
0: (laughs) All right So you have until the 19th At 9 p.m. Pacific To subscribe To get this month's crate Uh, But when that cutoff happens It's over So that's the 19th At 9 p.m. Pacific So head to Lootcrate.com Forward slash Down And enter my promo code Down And you'll get $3 Off any new subscription Today All right so, when we're doing, uh, let's say, I want you to play guitar on something. No, no, okay, we're going to feature, I'm sorry, we had that whole song I want to play. So, let's play this song. This song is called The Girl from Illinois, and it's, it's a special one to do here because it's exclusive. It's, uh, everybody doesn't get it. So, where does this song appear and where does it not? Tell me that.
2: Well, let me correct you real quick. The working title was oh, sorry. The Girl from Illinois. Got it, that was a working title. It- yeah, and now it's called Unexpected Things. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, what was the question again? Repeat uh,
0: that. Where do you find the song, this song and not find songs, song? It's, it's essentially like okay. a bonus
2: song. Right, right. So it was intended to be kind of a hidden track, which I don't think pe- bands do that much anymore. It used to be kind of a big thing, you know, when we were kind of starting out.
0: Yeah, but it came uh, along, it was a, a tag along with CD technology. Yeah. That's when it didn't <laughs> yeah. ha- there weren't hidden tracks on tapes, basically, right?
2: Oh, right. Because right, the tape
0: yeah. loops back over, and there's only a certain amount of space on the tape. And yeah. then when CDs came out, they're you know they're longer. They had the the, the CD right. theoretically you can write all the way to the end of it, and you can do unlimited or up to 99 tracks. So people started figuring out to hide songs and make something track 69 yeah. or you know things like that. But it's all right. all that is contained within the CD age. And now that it's digital, it's yeah, kind true. of what happened to hidden tracks. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, anyway, I thought it was, you know, it was just an idea I had. So, and the, and the the content of the song and, and all that just kind of made sense to me. And I just thought it was kind of neat. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hidden track on the CD. Uh, It's a, an extra track on the digital download and it's not actually on the vinyl.
0: Yeah, because it wouldn't fit on. Oh, that's the that was the thing yeah. when we submitted this for digital, and it had a long song with silence before this track came. The whole the whole thing got rejected. The digital platform yeah. Uh, yeah. and TuneCore said they didn't know what to do with, it, so they just thought it was an error and rejected it. <laughs> so you can't even do it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like dang man. All right, this song yeah, so is they had uh, to add it as an extra track. So. Yeah,
0: this one I'm I'm really glad it's on here. I want people to hear. It. That's one of the reasons I want to play because it, it's probably one of my favorite ones. And you know, is is maybe the least. Uh, R and B and classical R and B and subject nature, uh, and it's very right. much more of an emotional, and so really is a moving song too. So I want people to get in the frame, and we'll listen to this song. <laughs>
1: E <música> Driving down the interstate as he said his last goodbye.
0: That's a really good one, Devin. I really, really, it's probably my favorite one. Um, And I know that you added the lyrics there. It's kind of crazy. I I mean, and we don't, I'm not even trying to talk about this, but your mom just passed, which is, you know, is really sad. And then I know that's in this song here, and it's just, it really gets me. It really does.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That was one of those things that uh, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to pay a little tribute. To mom because she was literally like my biggest fan in the world and so um i just thought it was nice to kind of put some of that about it and that was kind of part of the song was you know unexpected things can be really good and really bad mm-hmm. in life um and so losing my mom's you know probably the worst thing i've ever had to go through and so uh, and then meeting my wife is one of the best things and so i just thought it'd be nice to kind of you know you know, pay homage to the two two women in my life that probably have been the most important. So,
0: well, it's really it really is something, but it's a, it's like a you know I can I can picture people doing this at weddings. You have that in, in mind. It's like a one of the the, the tear yeah. jerker at a wedding.
2: Yeah, that's true. I guess I didn't think about it that way, but yeah, and I mean that was part of it too. Was like I knew it was a different style song. Like it was more of acoustic, mm-hmm. almost like folk, folky kind of feeling. And so I kind of I wanted it to be a part of the album, but I didn't. I knew it didn't like fit directly with the rest and so that was part of the kind of unexpected and hidden kind of kind of feel too but I yeah i love how it turned out and i did that whole vocal track in one take i didn't do like that's cool i didn't do like segments like i normally you know like like Mm -hmm. i normally do i just kind of did it it was real raw and different
0: yeah well you know good stuff on the album it's called sensation is the name of it and you know that's why we have you on today because this hopefully this podcast will push this out there and, and your album will really do well so it means a lot for people to buy Thanks. it especially if uh, if it's people that's on Spotify that's good and stuff too but it's really really neat to have a, a podcast and be able to do this with you sitting there in Illinois and you have this album and it's really weird it's a weird thing being. I mean sitting here doing this with you is makes me feel all kind of weird ways because of where we're from and how old we are and that we get back to do this stuff now it really is I'm in a weird place just doing this episode I feel like
2: <laughs> yeah no, I, I I know I agree it's it's really nostalgic it's really weird and it's pretty I mean I I would say it's pretty rare that you know that this whole this whole process has kind of come around full you know what I mean full circle the yep. way it has and so yeah I agree with you it's it's kind of a time warp
0: yeah exactly exactly so what uh what do you think we're going to do with emory can you let's talk about our the songs we wrote there and what they're going to sound like what is how would you describe because i don't got really good words for it i can try to but what do you think our new stuff sounds like we don't have anything to play i don't even really have the demos dave has them but yeah
2: um i i don't think like usually when we when we start writing songs and, and stuff like that they always end up pretty different than they, than they begin. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, the songs themselves will, will continue to grow and, and change, but the way they end up being recording, recorded and sounding is always a little different than obviously when we're starting to write. So I have an, I, I have an idea of what it's going to end up like, but I, you know, I, I know that things change pretty dramatically along the way, along the, the process, but I think it's a little, a little more mature sounding, I guess you could say, like Obviously, we're getting older, um, and you know, just stylistically and everything. I think that's just going to naturally happen. Uh, Music's going to get a like. I I think even you were never alone. I mean, even though there were some tracks that stuck out uh, as maybe older Mm Emory, as far as like earlier Emory. But I think overall, the sound uh, just felt a little bit more mature. I don't know. I don't really have another word for it. I guess it's just more. More of that. Kind I don't of feel know if it's going to be
0: quieter or like more. It's definitely, I'll put it this way. This is the philosophy I use on almost every band is you want the the right thing to do is to be the most unique thing that you have to offer. That's my philosophy on it. So what stinks is if you are a heavy band and you get older and you just get soft or if you're kind of a a, a, a weird band, but then you make a radio single. Like whenever you leave the the thing that was unique about you and come more toward the average, that's it's both boring and it's, it gets seen as a like a, a move, like a inauthentic move or something. But I know from experience, that's not really what's going on. It's just that you try to change things and do stuff a different way. Um, But what's important to me is for any band, I use, uh, let's say Copeland, for example. You want Copeland to have falsetto vocals and frilly piano and do weird stuff. So if they make something that sounds closer to a radio rock song, that's not what you want from Copeland. So when... When I'm picking singles for bands or talking to them about what they're doing, I try to find the song, not this the catchiest radio song, but the most unique song that, that, that only sounds like that band. That's the way I think of it. And so with this record, it might not be as heavy as our other ones, but I, I'm making, and I think we're making every effort to fully make it sound even more like the Emory stuff than others. The choices we make, the things that we're, we're doing, right. the way we're use, using your vocals and, and some of the stuff that's on, for instance, You Were Never Alone, um, that's that's the real, I don't know if it's an emo vibe or uh, yep. uh, what's the word I like to use? Quirky, uh, interesting, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff where you, to follow it is there's a lot of rich content to harmonically and structurally so a lot of clever you know nothing virtuosic but clever stuff in there and i think it's going to be i mean yeah. it's going to be really dense on that and then and then the recording i, I think is going to turn out pretty simple like plain straightforward where you can hear everything that's where my head's at at least but yeah, um that's yeah. that's kind of what i think about that you got to have that you got to be you, you i mean that's uh, it's silly to not have maybe figured that out till now, but you got to be the most Emory you can be if you're Emory.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. But and that doesn't I, mean I've do the Screamo walls
0: more. That's not what I'm That's not the right, <laughs> right way to do that.
2: Yeah, I think there's a percentage of people that thinks only about that about Emory. Mm-hmm. Like we're the Screamo walls band, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I think there's a good, uh, a large majority of our fans who have kind of, you know, maybe they've they've seen some of the, some of our path, you know, musical path along the way and just kind of realize that we, we change, we do things differently. So, I, I mean, I think one of the, one of the things that I think is our signature, uh, apart from having, you know, kind of quirky, like you said, quirky parts and things that are just kind of stick out to people would obviously be, you know, our, our vocals and, and kind of how me and Toby play off each other. And I don't really think that would ever change. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, the way we sing together, the way we work together in that sense, I don't think that needs to or would ever change regardless of the style. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Regardless of the musical style. So I think that's something that people will always relate to regardless of how heavy or how soft or how this or how that. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: but it, but like anytime you and Toby sing together, it basically winds up sounding like Emery. is the idea. That just yeah. that would happen regardless, <laughs> though. It almost, in fact. Uh, so when you play, when you you and Toby sang the national anthem at the uh, minor league baseball game, so that just sounded like the Emory national anthem. To- <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that was it. <laughs>
0: yeah. That's it's very funny. funny. Very funny. Um, well,
2: there's definitely a, there's definitely a, there's definitely a guitar style that yeah. I think people recognize now, and there's definitely more to it than that but mm-hmm. you know th- those are some of the signature elements that we have for i would sure.
0: think uh, sl- simple or 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 interesting time changes that that still remain yeah, sound a little yeah. bit catchy but stick out just a little bit i'm always looking to make the thing sound complex or, or be complex but sound smooth is kind of the the, the mo- one thing that's kind of our motto is do something that's kind of complicated but then make sure it's good and catchy and not we just yeah. weird Basically. Yeah, so totally. that way it's not boring, is, is kind of the way that I look at that. So that informs it, I guess. I don't know what else would be there, you know. It's weird. It's, I guess it's interesting yeah. just to look back over time and say you were copying all this stuff. I was trying to copy Smashing Pumpkins or Nirvana and then uh, Sunny Day Real Estate and all these bands. And then eventually you just. You, you sound like you sound, and that's that. Right. And that's the, it's a bizarre yeah. thing to arrive at that and go, yeah, if I play something, write it, record it, arrange it, it just sounds like me. That's, that is, that's weird. Cause when did, when did that happen? Yeah, I know. Cause don't you, it didn't, it wasn't that way before. You were just trying no. to learn other people's stuff, and then eventually you sound like you. It's a weird time. And I don't know if you could identify when it happens, even.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely couldn't identify it. But I do remember, you know, somewhere along the way, you know, here in, uh, you know, other bands or people say, "Oh, this other band sounds like Emory." That you yeah. know, they start, mm-hmm. you know, they start relating younger bands to you. So that's, you know, that's something that's kind of a weird part of that growth process too. That
0: might be a good. That's actually a good answer for when the definition of when you have your own style is when there's people that are influenced uh, notably, or or uh, people demonstrate that they're influenced by you. That might be a good. Yeah. Uh, defining line of when you have come into your own a little bit i guess
2: probably so yeah for sure
0: that's cool um Devin, i don't want to keep you too long tonight i would like to do something with your guitar but i did not have anything else but i'd like to keep the episode nice and tight tonight i'm having a good time but i'm ready to get out yeah of here that's too.
2: fine with me whatever you, um whatever let's you do something
0: do? with the guitar let's uh which okay. is there <laughs> What did I want to have you play? I'm stumbling through this episode. I, I, yeah, we only got f- five minutes left. I knew we were close to the end of the time. Um, okay. How uh, How about you go through the What was it? Let's do the in your pocket song. Uh-huh. Let's do the Let's do the the part you were pl- showing me earlier on that. What, okay. were we, what were we talking about on that?
1: Um,
2: on the chorus. Um. Well, the song itself is in uh, C sharp minor. Mm-hmm. So, can you hear that at all? Play it
0: a little bit. Yeah, it's actually not, not that great. Not much. <laughs> Never mind. But, yeah, it's all right. Well, no, do it though. Right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want. I was interested in, in to hear you explain well, this well, to the, people.
2: Well, the chorus, um, it, in, in terms of of chord progression, it goes. You know, the four chord. Well, four chord in the key of E major, which is C sharp minor. Uh, the relative minor of E major so it's the A and then it goes to B so it's the 5 chord there and then C sharp being the 6 chord mm-hmm. or the 1 chord of that key but then it plays a C diminished
0: so which, you go down from C sharp minor a half step to do that mm-hmm. leading tone and then make build a diminished chord off of that
2: right, mm-hmm. right so, and, and with the, the melody, it's... I've never
1: seen a blue sky As beautiful as your eyes in my life
2: yeah. so the way I kind of move the vocals down, it kind of runs through some of those notes on that diminished chord. Yeah, so that's um,
0: interesting because diminished chords are one that people ask about a lot. Like, how would you ever, how to use diminished chord? What's a diminished chord? But that's a good example of it. They sound weird; they're difficult to use. And you're saying you intentionally put the vocal notes to to run through those, the notes that are in that chord to reinforce it to make it more comfortable yeah. or highlight
2: them. Yeah, to kind of highlight that that chord because the whole song. I mean the The chorus is kind of a it's a little bit more uplifting a little bit more of a major sound and so I just thought it was kind of neat to have that kind of diminished mm-hmm. feel in there as well to kind of change it up a little bit
0: yeah it's a it's a it's a neat chord and then it's it's weird because that chord is you know you can su- don't you substitute it the other way and then just do a dominant chord next right
2: uh actually uh uh e major seven.
0: oh oh, that's right that's the one you do yeah
2: so it kind of it feels really similar when in the recording like it's more major feeling but the way the chord functions is not all that different Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so it has that um, that uh, has a D sharp um, let's see E G sharp D sharp Mm Mm-hmm. And for some reason, let let me think for a second. It goes
1: I never seen someone cry and chase away the sunshine from the sky. So I just sing in the major seven, sharp.
2: yeah. The D sharp. And on the other one, that's what I do too at first.
0: You sing the in same
1: note. Yeah. So
2: I sing the same note and it kind of you know what I mean it kind of feels mm-hmm. the same. In, in some ways but it's interesting but the because
0: very- the, the the d sharp is a stable note in the e major seven chord that's what's in so the, you sing the same note right. you're saying the first time when it was all that weird feeling and now when you sing the d sharp it actually belongs to the major seven chord so you get it, exactly it, it feels yeah. totally different but the, you can do it the same note on both chords feels different that's what's cool about that Yep. yeah Love totally it. yeah I always feel like people want to hear more stuff like that. I get really confused on if if we talk too much about notes and stuff like that. But then if (laughs) I don't do it for a while, people say, you got to tell us the notes and do kind of that kind of thing. So you got to balance those out. Yeah,
2: people people want you to break all that stuff down on this, right? Yeah, I messed up
0: with the title of the podcast, I'm afraid. (laughs) I should have just named it Matt Just Talks people <laughs> yeah you can't be
2: generic <laughs> right, on this one
0: I know it I know, it. Devin thank you for coming on let me tell people again to get your album we appreciate it if you do anybody and you can get it for $5 you can download the thing uh, if you go to devinsheltonmusic.com and then buy it from us directly and put in the promo code down you get it for $5 and that's it I'm nice. done anything else you want to say Devin or ask anybody to do
2: Nah, I guess that's it. I, I'm I really appreciate, you know, people buying the album. You know, it's you know, it's not always, you know, people don't always keep track of like you know, the, the bassist or the, you know, the second vocalist of a band side project, but I appreciate (laughs) all the fan, you know, all the fans Mm -hmm. and, uh, everybody, you know, supporting it. It's really cool and it's fun to do. I'm, I'm glad to do it. So thank
0: you. Well, great catching up and I'll see you next week. We're doing Emory shows. So I'll see you next Tuesday and then we'll be doing those. And yeah, everybody check out Emory's website too, and come up to our upcoming shows, emorymusic.com. See y'all later. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com.
1: Shh. Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And And we're we're the Professional Professional Book Book Nerds. Nerds.
2: Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe.